Hello, my business friends. Welcome to the Thought Cocktails podcast, lubrication for the business brain, where we talk about startups, the technology industry, marketing, positioning, the emerging business discipline of category design, and other pirate musings. I'm Colin Vincent, co-founder of Equity Directory, along with my co-host, Christopher Lockhead, former three-time CMO, who is now a CEO, marketing coach, category designer, and co-founder of Play Bigger. Hey, Chris, how you doing? I'm great, Colin. How are you? Excellent. Happy to be talking to you again on this beautiful Sunday morning. As am I. Uh, and uh, I think drinking before 10 doesn't make you an alcoholic, right? It just makes you a pirate. <laughs> yes, it sure does. Uh, well, regardless of what time of day you're, ho- you're listening to us, we hope that this is lubrication for your business brain. <laughs> What do we want to talk about today, Colin? <laughs> well, I think what we'd like to talk about today is Facebook's big announcement and the concept of a category blueprint. Yeah, it's fascinating. Uh, as many of you know, Facebook recently had their big F8 developers conference, and they made a huge amount of product announcements about um, you know things like a chatbot platform for messaging and Uh, virtual reality, and a whole slew of other product announcements which have been widely discussed in the media. Interestingly enough to to us, however, is the fact that Facebook and Zuckerberg um, laid down a a blueprint. And what they did was actually pretty different than what uh, most companies think of. You know, when you say a blueprint, what most people think of is, is more like a product roadmap. And a product roadmap essentially is a list of features and capabilities that any company's planning on on releasing over time. And when they announce it, they sort of say, you know, here's what the next version of our product looks like. A category blueprint is actually very different than that. It is publishing from a product or technology point of view, not just a list of features for a product that's going to come, but really an agenda for an industry or for a market, and that's very different, and that's what we think Facebook just did. Yeah, well, I was imp- very impressed with their, they literally had a blueprint that they released, uh, that they sh- they showed at the conference that was literally blue and had the, the, the plan for you know, some incredible category dominance. Yeah, and the interesting thing about that is Facebook's uh, 12 years old, if I'm not mistaken, or is it four, 14 maybe? 14, 12, something like that. <laughs> I don't know. They're not 20, that's for damn sure. And so that's kind of point A. Uh, you know, they're fairly young to be announcing such an aggressive vision and publishing specifics around what they think the future of not just Facebook is, but uh, social networking. And you could argue uh, computing is, is, is as big of a vision as they put forward. And the second thing is that they would have, the, frankly, the balls to do that at a relatively early age. And the third thing that uh, we think is really interesting here is most companies, when they become a legendary category king the way Facebook is, um, kind of rest on their laurels. So uh, if you think about what's going on at Facebook in specific, I think they have, Colin, do you know about one6 Six billion users, I think, is the number. Um, I don't know. I'm pretty sure if you Google it, it's it's right around that number. Uh, funny that you would Google 
Facebook information, but I digress. Um, <laughs> and if my math is right, and anybody who knows me knows that grade 10 math was the hardest 12 years of my life, but I think that means there's roughly 5.8 billion people on the planet not on Facebook. Correct. And you are correct in one, it's 1. 1. 1.6 billion. 1.6. Yeah. Uh -huh. Chalk one up for the old duder. Um, <laughs> and so if you were Facebook and you're sitting there and saying, hey, we've had, we're one of the most legendary startups in technology history. You could argue that Facebook is the most legendary technology startup founded since 2000. Hard to argue against that. Uh, as some of you may have noticed, Facebook's value from a market cap perspective now eclipses Walmart's by Incredible. over a hundred billion dollars. Unbelievable. Right? Get, get your fucking head around that. Facebook is more than a hundred billion dollars more valuable from a market market cap point of view than Walmart. And so um, many companies in this stage of their uh, business and in particular in this stage of their market category, Facebook is the designer and dominator of uh, social networking. There's no debate about that. There hasn't been any debate about that for a long time. And given they have 1.6 billion users, um, they could spend the rest of you know the next decade for sure focusing on one thing, which is just leaving their product alone and trying to get the other 5.8 billion of us on the planet on the network. Um, that's not what they want to do. And they published this blueprint that is a vision for the future. And much more than just a product roadmap, it's a category blueprint. And what we know based on our research at Play Bigger is that that is exactly what legendary leaders do when they want to expand the size of their category, move into adjacent markets, uh, figure out a way to monetize their, their customer base in ways that they haven't before. It, it's, it's what leaders do. And you could argue the greatest uh, category designer in history was Steve Jobs, and he did exactly this. Jobs was famous for giving all of us a new way of thinking about the future and then showing us how all Apple products could take us to that future. And what a blueprint is is a very concrete way of, if you will, being declarative to, in Facebook's case, their users, advertisers, developers, employees, and investors about where they stand and, most importantly, where they want to expand and where they want to take uh, social networking, the internet, and you could argue even technology. And this is very powerful shit here, people, because this is exactly what you and I want from our leaders. Human beings want to know that their leaders have a vision, a direction, and a plan, and a well-articulated category blueprint that goes beyond just a product roadmap, but a vision, a concrete vision, and spelling that vision out for where they want to take things over time for the entire industry, the entire category, is a powerful thing to do because you're declaring to everybody who cares uh, what you think the future is. You're laying down the gauntlet, and um, it's what leaders do. So maybe Zuckerberg for president. <laughs> well, uh, it's not a bad idea. Theatrics so far in the American <laughs> political season. Um, so so why not? Well, it's interesting, though, Colin, that you bring up politics because if you watch the U.S. election that's going on right now, or really any Democratic election in the world, what you notice is the media pushes candidates, and what they're really 
pushing them on, good interviewers of political candidates are, are pushing them on being declarative about their positions. What's your position on immigration? What's your position on taxes? What's your position on health care? What's your position on homeland security? Because you and I want to know that our leaders have a vision, direction, and plan, and we want to um, identify with that vision, direction, plan. And if we agree with it, then we vote for them. And if we don't, we don't. Well, it turns out that that's true in business too. Legendary companies declare what the future is going to be like for their entire market space, and then they go execute on that plan. And that's what Facebook did, and that's the power of a category blueprint. And it's what, frankly, people expect from category kings, the companies that design and dominate uh, market spaces. So what other companies have you seen lately develop a, a category blueprint with this much power? Uh, it's a great question. So obviously Apple was, was and, and continues to be famous for it. Um, one of our uh, the, the, the entrepreneurs we admire the most uh, in recent years in the technology industry is Mark Benioff, the founder and CEO of Salesforce.com. His company uh, runs what we believe is the largest technology conference in the world in San Francisco called Dreamforce. Uh, I think it's 200 something thousand people, but maybe we could check out check it out. But it's 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 some gigantic number. It's it's way beyond a quote unquote user group, and. Um, Benioff uses Dreamforce to lay out their vision for the cloud. So does Salesforce talk about their product roadmap for certain products? Uh, of course they do, but they mostly do that in breakout sessions and, 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 and things that are targeted towards specific topics uh, that, that map back ultimately to their products in, in, in uh, customer relationship management and so forth. But at a high level, Benioff, for almost 20 years now, has used Dreamforce to lay down the next iteration, if you will, of their vision for the cloud. And as a result of doing such, he is, is essentially taught all of us what the cloud is and what we should expect from cloud vendors, whether they're in the CRM space or more, more broadly than that. And the reason this is so important is People need to buy into a vision for the future before they buy into a product. People need to relate to and understand the context of products uh, before they get into the specifics of them. So, for example, you have to understand the context. You have to know what an SUV is and think that an F SUV is cool. And you have to see a vision of your life or yourself using an SUV before you start comparing um, Jeeps and Range Rovers, you have to understand what its SUV is in comparison to a sedan or a station wagon or a motorcycle or whatever the hell you might be looking at. And so the point being, legendary uh, leaders in the technology industry and even beyond paint a vision for the future and they get specific and declarative about it in a category blueprint. That is to say, they say, if you want to play in the, in the Benioff example, the cloud space, this is what you got to do, and this is why it matters, and this is, these are the problems that it solves. And then if you and I as customers uh, buy into that, then we start to be interested in this example in, in Salesforce products. And, and that's really the power of it. This is exactly what, if you go back and study what Henry Ford did, Henry Ford had to evangelize a future that was materially different than what people at the time understood. 
he called his category of products the horseless carriage. And he had to paint a picture in people's heads for what the, um, the road system and highway system would look like over time and how that would be different than what people at the time in horse and buggy were used to. And when you bought into this vision of the future of being able to get into this vehicle that wasn't dependent on an animal and that could go, you know, much, much faster and much further for, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then this interconnected ecosystem of the, the of roads that we now enjoy, all those things, all that shit was in Henry Ford's head. And for the automobile as a category to take off, he had to paint a picture for people about that future and people had to get stoked about it and buy into it. And in so doing, then they got fired up about the possibility of buying an automobile. And so it was the vision of the future that did that. <clears throat> that that's a powerful example. Um, in, in contrast, um, one of the companies that comes to mind that hasn't been able to or has struggled with their blueprint is Dropbox. Yeah, it's a great example. Dropbox um, had a legendary start, of course. Uh, I mean, one of the most impressive startups of the last uh, you know, decade or so. And they seem to have a very clear vision in the beginning, which they could articulate in one way or another. Um, and today it's a lot less clear uh, what they stand for today and, and specifically, or <laughs> as I heard recently, I heard this woman interviewed on our local news and she said, well, you know, when you think about this specifically, what it means is, um, <laughs> so I'm not sure that, um, that uh, Dropbox is being specific enough about their future direction, both as a company, but more importantly, where they think their category is going. Right. Right. And we know that the company that designs the space is best positioned to dominate it. And a category blueprint is the physical document, if you will, that shows people in a visual way where the category is going. Uh, you know, famously Workday, when they went published, they, they published a blueprint in their S1 filing before they went public. Mm. And it's a fairly simple uh, a visual de de description, if you will, or depiction of the Pacifics around uh, where they want to take um, the cloud HR and cloud finance space. But interestingly enough, they had the balls to put it in their S1 filing as a way of declaratively communicating to investors what they meant by uh, cloud HR and finance and where they saw the space going. Um, that's what legendary companies do. That's what legendary political leaders do. They, they, they paint a specific picture of the future and then they help you understand what actions they're going to take to take you to that future. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's interesting to see the difference between this, the companies that we've just been talking about and, and how it's impacted their growth and, and where they're going. I, you know, I, I saw when, I actually thought when Dropbox bought um, the Mailbox app yep. uh, that it was a brilliant move because at the time, Mailbox had done a really good job of creating a huge buzz around their product. In fact, in the beginning, you couldn't get it. You had to be on a waiting list and everybody was 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 posting about how great their inbox zero uh, experience was using the Mailbox app and I couldn't wait to get my hands on it. And then mailbox or uh, dropbox bought them and then i thought wow this is going to be incredible for dropbox and then i i 
didn't and it ended up not really falling in love with the product. And then I recall, I think it was sometime last year that Dropbox ended up shutting the product down. And so those are the kinds of things that make people wonder about sort of where are you going? Right. You know, it's interesting in the, in the enterprise space, um, a big part of the sales cycle is the quote unquote customer visit. The customer flies out from, you know, bum squad America or wherever they happen to live and they come to you know, Silicon Valley or wherever the tech company is and they want to sit down meet with the senior leadership team and the product folks and, and, and they will often say things like, we want to understand where you're going. And what they're really saying is, what's your agenda? And the smart companies, in our experience, understand that certainly at one level, are they asking about what might be in the next version of the product? Sure they are. But winning, becoming the category king, because as we know, in the technology industry, one company gets two-thirds of the market cap of the space. And we can talk about why we know that if you want, but we've done the big data science research to know that one company takes 76% of the total available market cap in any given market in the technology industry. So if you want to win, it's not just a battle of products. It's a battle of agendas. You know, so for example, GoPro stock in August was at 60 bucks. And today it's about 13. Ouch. Yeah, that, that would be, we, we call that falling like a turd from a tall cow. <laughs> and what's really going on, have they missed some of their numbers? Yes, they have. And of course, as a public company, that's intergalactically bad. In addition to missing some of their guidance numbers, however, um, if you read the investor reports, what you start to see is, Analysts and therefore investors are starting to get worried that they've they've saturated the market for quote unquote wearable cameras. And in other words, you know, once you buy one GoPro, how many are you gonna buy? Right? right. So have all the dudes who like to take pictures of themselves and video themselves skiing and snowboarding and and, and whatever, uh, have they saturated that market category is the concern, is that everybody that wanted a GoPro bought one for Christmas 2014 and and their category, i.e. their market, is starting to mature and run out of uh, potential, run out of growth potential. Mm -hmm. That's the concern, concern number one of investors. And then number two is, um, if that's true, then how's Facebook, uh, excuse me, how's GoPro going to continue to grow? That is to say, how are you going to exploit your dominance in one space, wearable cameras, to design and dominate new adjacent high growth categories? Are they going to move into software? Are they going to become a UGC content company? Are they going to, what are they going to do, right? Well, GoPro has not been declarative about that. They have not published a, a category blueprint for where they think their space goes over time. And so not only have they missed their numbers, but a concern has emerged that their market is running out of headroom, i.e. potential. And another concern is, okay, well, where the fuck do you go from here? And in some ways, that's the same problem that Dropbox has. Uh, maybe less a concern that their market's running out of space because there's probably still a lot of room for cloud file sharing. But more of a concern in Dropbox's case with uh, where are you, Dropbox, going from here? And where do you see this space going? Are you... Are you going to bump up with Slack and is this a battle in collaboration or is this really a battle 
with Facebook for the home. Uh, you know, there's lots of different directions um, Dropbox could go in terms of a category potential as they want to expand from where they are, but they haven't been declarative about it. They haven't published uh, a clear roadmap, and, but more importantly, a category blueprint for where they see their, uh, the industry for their space going. And so people just wonder, okay, well, who are you and where are you going? And just like in, in a political race, if people don't know who you are and where you're going, then it gives them pause about buying or using your shit. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting that you that, that we're talking about GoPro uh, because I recall back in 2014 uh, when they were hot, extremely hot. They brought on um, an executive from a media company with the idea of creating a, a GoPro channel, which I just pulled up on the web here, and it looks like they've done that. But I thought, based on what they were laying out back in 2014, it sounded like they were attempting to lay out a blueprint for some sort of media company that they could evolve into. And it just doesn't look like that's really happened. Yeah, we combed through their S1 back when they went public, and it wasn't clear to us where they were going to go. They certainly were uh, showing a little leg, if you will, or signaling that they might morph into a bit of a media company. Um, and, and while they've taken some steps there, it, it, to your point, Colin, it's not clear. Um, the other thing, candidly, from a product perspective that screwed them is they never took responsibility for, if you will, quote unquote, the whole product. So, for example, most consumers used uh, Apple iMovie to edit GoPro right. footage. Well, iMovie, with all due respect to Apple, who we love, has turned into a piece of shit. Um, and the GoPro files are big. And so for most of us, particularly those of us who are not super technical, yeah, sure, great. You go out and GoPro your kid snowboarding all day or whatever it is you GoPro. You come home, you download this monster fuck file, and then you put it into iMovie and it, you know, iMovie kind of chokes on it. And then you got to try to edit it. And all of a sudden it's starting to get hard. And what do we know? Right. If it's too hard, then people don't do it. And so... Um, by not taking responsibility for the whole product, that is to say how people then edit. And, you know, the truth is none of us want raw footage. We want a home movie. Right. Or we want some great photos. Or, you know, we want the end, end result of using a GoPro. We don't want the raw shit. And so the fact that photo editing and, 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 and video editing and all that stuff is still pretty hard from a product perspective. Is, is problematic for GoPro. And then at the category level, in terms of growing their market, they haven't been declarative about where the category of wearable cameras is going and where GoPro is going. <clears throat> yep, yep. And the interesting thing is, what we have found in our work, Colin, is that a category blueprint is a powerful weapon for early stage startups or for more mature companies like uh, uh, Facebook in that if the minute you understand that in the technology business the category can get 76% of the economics and then the next thing you understand is the company that designs the space is best positioned to dominate it and so 
the technology industry is as much a battle of, if you will, category agendas as it is a battle for who's got the best product. Those things are equally important. Once you understand that, what you realize is that if you're a two-person startup trying to carve out your niche in the world, being declarative about the niche and where you're going to take it is important. And if you're Facebook or IBM or HP or Microsoft or Google being declarative about your vision for your category, uh, in this case, publishing a document called the Blueprint for the Future of Social Networking sets you up as the leader. And whether then people can debate whether you're right or not. But the interesting thing about the debate about Facebook is when people are debating your agenda for your market category, what are they doing? They're debating your agenda. And if they're debating your agenda, you're probably the leader in the space. That's a great point. So, and so what we've found is a category blueprint gives employees direction. They know what the, the mission is. It gives customers comfort that you have a vision for the future and a way to get up there. It shows your potential partners and ecosystem uh, where they can play and add value. Uh, we love this one. It forces competitors to react. We love to do marketing that causes emergency board meetings and CEO firings at our competitors. That when that we do that, when we make a move, that the rest of the space, the, all, the competitive landscape goes, oh, shit. I wish we did that. Now what the fuck do we do? And then the last thing a, a well-articulated category blueprint does is it makes it clear to investors what the category potential is here. That is to say, if we get this right, What's the potential TAM or total available or total accessible market, TAM? Uh, and that manifests itself by being clear about the category and the potential usage uh, for the category overall. It's like the mega use case for the space. Fantastic, Chris. I, I, I love your perspective on this on this category blueprint. It's, uh, it's incredibly powerful and uh, I think very helpful to all entrepreneurs. Um, one something else I'd like to talk talk uh, with you about today is some legendary marketing that has uh, that that I just think is um, it's incredible that and it's it's there's one commercial that that I don't lot, watch a lot of television or a lot of commercials but there is one commercial that has crept into my uh, my scene and, and it's um, it's a Geico commercial about this um, this mom talking to her son. And, and he's he's almost like a James Bond character, and she's talking about how the squirrels are invading the attic again. And oh, and, I love that ad. And it's I, just so. <laughs> at the very end, she goes, "What are you doing? Taking a Zumba class?" Uh, it makes me piss myself every time I see it. He's like a Jason Bourne or a James yeah. Bond character, and there's guys jumping out of helicopters <laughs> trying to kill him, and he's on his phone with it, and his mother calls. Yeah, it's so good. It's brilliant. It is definitely a legendary ad and one that everybody should take uh, should take a look at because if nothing else, it's fun. Ugh, it kills me every time. Yeah, it's called "You're a Mom." It's what you do. <laughs> uh, yeah, I found it. If you just Google uh, "Geico," you're a mom ad. You'll find it, and uh, there's this uh, older woman calling this younger guy who's like a James Bond character, and he's definitely not in a Zumba ad. <laughs> It says, uh, so I, I, I did a little search on this and it says uh, in ad week, there's a, there's an article and it says, um, ad of the day, Geico's new mom character is so good. They couldn't do just one spot. Yeah. Yeah. The other ad that's, uh, 
that's of note right now is did you notice that Slack is starting to do some TV ads? I did notice that. And um, what did you think of them? Um, I thought they were good. I thought they were good. Um, I, it, I was actually more taken by the fact that Slack was even doing an ad at all. Yeah, it's a stunning thing. I guess they're putting their uh, their latest financing around to, um, you know, they're putting the money to use. The thing that's uh, concerning about the ad, though, is the ad has got a whole bunch of animals in it. Dressed oh, in, like, yeah. Business suits and Kinda shit. Kind of weird. Yeah, and, and what we know is um, when you do things that sort of bastardize the human body, or in this case, the animal body, it, 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 it can be off-putting to people. So um, I'd be curious, uh, you know, tweet us and let us know what you think about this ad. But, you know, it's sort of weird to watch lobsters and squirrels and shit talking to each other while they bang on computers. It's, it's, so it's, it's a strange ad. I'd be curious to see if it actually works for them. Well, as a long-time Slack user, it was a big disconnect for me. Yeah, the thing that it doesn't do is um, they're making the mistake that a lot of companies that are product-centric make, which is essentially it's a features ad. So the, the theme of do Slack teams do amazing things, and then they show these animals suppose, supposedly – uh, that's another one of our favorite words. <laughs> if you've noticed lately, if you start watching uh, in our culture, a, a lot of people can't say supposedly anymore. So they just say supposedly. Oh, that's painful. And sometimes they're specifically supposedly, but I digress. Um, <laughs> a lot of companies think that if you showcase the features of your product, good things will happen. Uh, and, and they've got a little bit of that going on in the Slack ads. There's a bunch of screenshots and this kind of shit and, you know, beavers and shit on iPads looking at the, looking at it with the tagline, do amazing things. What they're not doing is building an argument for the category. So we know that new categories get established when yeah. people articulate a problem in a different or compelling way and then show a way to solve that problem in, in, in a way unimagined before. So um, there's a very real chance that Slack is making the mistake that a lot of companies make, which is they are marketing and advertising their solution in the absence of a problem. And legendary companies understand that people only buy solutions when they understand problems. That's why the blueprint is so important, actually, because the blueprint shows a vision for the future solving a set of problems that people can relate to. The Slack ads are just like, hey, a bunch of animals running around an office and then tagline, do amazing things. Um, so they're not really building a argument or a case for why this matters. That stands in stark contrast to what a Jobs did back in the heyday where Steve Jobs would get up on stage, show a slide that says, here's the MacBook, here's the iPhone, and, and then we believe there is a place in between for a, in his exact words, quote, third category of device in this example, the iPad. And then he builds an argument for why there is that uh, place, why, there, why that category should be there. In other words, Jobs frothes you up about this magical vision he has for the future. He gets you to buy into what he thinks the future should be, and then you buy into buying his product. The Slack ads, just a bunch of animals running around, and uh, it, it, you know you might find it entertaining, you might like it, you might not, but they're not building an argument for the category of um, 
you know, collaboration or communication or whatever, you know, they, they haven't really even been super declarative about what to call what they do. Well, so it's interesting because I, I, now that we're talking about this, I recall an ad that, um, sandwich video company did for Slack back in 2014. I don't suppose you saw that. Did you? I don't remember so, it, but you know, I've had a lot to drink since then. <laughs> so, so listen to this. So six months ago, I get an email from Stuart Butterfield. He wants to talk about making a video for his new thing, Slack. It would change the way teams communicate. Change the way teams communicate. I told him my company runs entirely on email and Dropbox. And we were doing just fine. Yeah, I guess we had a system. I would email with Adam and text with Shady. JP and I would G-chat. And I would mostly hold my meetings in the utility closet, like 11 a.m. And I was new, so I didn't talk so much. This wasn't sustainable if I wanted my company to grow. And something had to change. So yeah, we tried Slack. Slack lets us do all our communication in one place. It's like combining multiple forms of messaging and file sharing into one app. Adam's pretty much in love with it. You make channels in Slack, which is perfect for discussing specific topics and groups, depending on who needs to be in on the conversation. Let's try one a little less goofy. Copy that. One thing I like is that we can send all kinds of documents right in the app. You can just drag and drop. Slack integrates with Dropbox, which is amazing because... So this goes on and on, but you get yeah, the idea. It, it, they're just puking features at us, right? Yeah, I mean... Yeah. They say change the way we communicate. Okay, great. But we have something we talk a lot about. Uh, what we've noticed is legendary entrepreneurs and innovators get very clear about what we call Frodo's, the from twos. So the world is the way it is, and we want it to be a different way. And when they evangelize their vision for the future, through this thing called a point of view. They want the world to think of the current paradigm here. as the way it used to be, i.e. the froms, and the new paradigm is the two. So for example, in the beginning, um, Reed Hastings and the folks at, uh, uh, at Netflix did a legendary job of building an argument that says, why drive to a video store Waste your time doing that. Show up there only to discover the movie that you don't want isn't there and then ask some zit-faced kid what other movie they might have that you and your family might like and every, you know, blah, blah, yada, yada. And of course, return it and late fees and all the stuff that um, was completely normal at the time if you wanted to go rent a video that most of us certainly I didn't think about until Reed Hastings said, you know what, this paradigm sucks. Why don't we use technology to do this in a different way? And ta-da, Netflix. And so they build an argument for the, why the current paradigm doesn't work, and they articulate that with a vision called the point of view, and they get people to understand the from twos, i.e. don't drive, don't go there when they don't have a movie, et cetera, et cetera. Just go to a website, let us know everything you want, and it'll magically show up in your, in your mailbox. And then, of course, today we stream most of it. But they got very clear about educating the market about a choice called drive to the video store and have a shitty experience or go to a website and have a legendary experience and then it became the norm, right? Um, Slack's not doing that here. What you just played, Colin, is basically a list of fucking features. And you might relate to those features and you might not, 
So, for example, they say oh, all of your communication in one place. Well, that's a neat idea, but what problem does that solve, and why should I care about solving that problem? Uh, they don't. They don't build that argument. That's a gr great point. You're right. They don't. No. Well, listen, Chris. Um, I think we need to wrap it up for today. This has been an incredible show. Uh, so great to talk with you, as always. Great to talk to you as always, and uh, appreciate everybody listening in. And uh, we hope that more of you get to work on being declarative with a uh, category blueprint that shows why you're the leader for your space. Awesome, Chris. All right, bye everyone. Have a great All day. Right. Play bigger. <laughs>